We are in our letters to the church part of the gospel project. We're getting very close to the end, friends. Uh, We are finishing up the letters to God's people, and then there's a little chunk of messages about Paul, God's work in Paul's life, and then Revelation. Now, Revelation, I think they have us covering in two Sundays. Nah, not a chance. We're not going to cover Revelation in two Sundays. So hopefully, at the beginning of the new year, we'll come back and we'll cover Revelation to get that in, and we'll be done with the Gospel Project. Uh, Today... We're continuing that letters, and we've covered, in a short little series, we've covered once this, then that. Remember, once slaves, now children. Once apart, now together. Once weak, now strong. Last week, once faithless, now faith-filled. I do thank Tracy for that. I, I, I messed her up. Uh, we, we talked in the office about flip-flopping those messages. Why? So that. Everybody say, so that. Do you guys remember what last Sunday was? Sydney Sunday, right? And it was a great Sunday. Thank you for that. We honored Sydney. It was, weren't you just, didn't your heart just bubble when she got to walk across the stage in her cap and gown and get her diploma? I loved that. I just, woo, and it made me so pleased that we honored Sydney like that. But you need to know something. Tiffany came and said, Pastor, you, you don't understand. My whole family came. I didn't expect them all to come. We had aunts, uncles, cousins, cats, everybody. I mean, the the, the whole clan came for that event. And she said, I never get them to come to church. Well, the week before, I had looked at the messages, and the message scheduled for last week was greedy, now generous. And I was supposed to talk about giving. And I thought, I don't think I'm supposed to talk about giving that Sunday. I feel like we'll have people there, and they're going to think that's all churches ever do is talk about giving, right? And I said, I want to talk about this one, faith. And so Tiffany was just, she said, you don't understand how great that was. My family was there and heard you talk about faith and the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they were happy to be here. I said, yes, God works all things together. But those are our guests. You're my people you're going to hear about giving today. Everybody with me? Nobody likes to hear a message about giving, and we don't do it. I'm going to tell you, we don't do this all the time. Some people think churches always talk about giving. We don't, and we don't beg, and we don't uh, pressure you to give. We, we want that to be something between you and the Lord, and we want you to be a cheerful giver. That's what the Bible teaches us. So we're going to just cover that today. Just hang in there with me. You're going to be fine. Once greedy, now generous. See, something changes in our hearts when we become Christians. When we become children of God, God takes us from this to that, specifically from dead to now alive. When we have those baptisms, it's, a, it's an outward showing that we were once dead in our sins, but now we're raised to new life in Christ. And that's us. We're once slaves, now children. We're once apart, now we're together. We're once weak, now we're strong. And you know what? One of the things God's changes about you and me is he takes us from being greedy and changes us to being generous. That's a beautiful thing. Our text is 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 15, if you could get there. I had to cut it in half. They wanted me to do all of 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. I said there was not a chance. So we'll just cover 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 15. Follow along as I read the scripture for today. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work, as it is written. 
They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge your harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Paul's teaching here is about giving, and I'm going to warn you today. You need to pay close attention and follow me because it's not going to be what you think you're going to hear. Go ahead and look on your notes right now. Scan through the notes and try to find the blank that says 10%. Does anybody see it? You don't. Stop looking. It's not there. This, this message might blow your minds because this morning I want to teach what Paul teaches about giving. And I'm going to, I'm going to let you know that this, this is really weird coming from a rule breaker. I'm a rule breaker from long ago, but we like rules. I, I'll be honest. When it comes to things like giving, we want rules. Just tell me what I got to give. I'll give it. I promise. I'll give it. Just tell me what I got to give. And I'm going to kind of break your heart this morning and tell you, Paul doesn't give a rule. He gives a principle. Principles are hard. We like rules. We lend ourselves toward being told what to do. Pastor, tell me what to do, and I'll do it. Tell me what God wants me to do, and I'll do it. And yet, Paul comes along, and he doesn't give a rule. He tells us a principle about giving. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians 8. Try to follow me a little bit. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 7. It says, see to it you excel in this grace of giving. See to it you excel in this grace of giving. Down in 13, here's the so that. That we might be equal. Verse 14. The goal is equality. You see, Paul's talking to a group of believers, and some believers, their crops came in and they were pretty puny, and they didn't have enough food for the year. But other people's crops came in and they were abundant. And so Paul was making it clear, those who who received a blessing, share with those who didn't, so we might all be equal. Everybody say equal. Equality. In chapter 8, Paul lets us know the goal is equality. He said it, not me. The goal is equality. We take care of one another. And that's essential to this teaching. But central to the message about giving we come to in 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9. 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9. I'll come back to that. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. You need to know that Paul, central to his discussion about our giving, he gets us right to Christ. He takes us right to Jesus and says, here's your example, here's your encouragement, look at Jesus. Though he was rich, the prince of heaven left heaven and came here as a baby. Why? So that Sinners like you and me could have a Savior so that the righteous one who knew no sin died on a cross, paid for your and mine sin. That's the so that. 
Paul takes us there and says, remember Jesus. Remember your God is giving. He held nothing back. He gave of the best. He gave us Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. So our big idea today is the grace, God's grace, must guide me to gospel gratitude and generous giving. I'm going to have to pay for every G there. God's grace must guide me to gospel gratitude and generous giving. That is the reason we're generous. We once were greedy, but now we've been made generous. So here's the problem. As we get into 2 Corinthians 9, we've got a problem. What's the problem? The problem is greed. Everybody say greed. Greed is the issue. Ecclesiastes 5.10. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. Luke 12.15. Then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Greed is the issue. Once greedy... Now generous. You see, greed is the foundation of who we were before we were built on a new foundation of Jesus Christ. Greed is the old self. Generosity is the new self. The word greedy has its roots in a word voracious. Do you know what voracious means? Usually there's a word that comes after voracious. What is it? Appetite. Thank you. Who's ever raised a teenager? If you've raised a teenager, you understand a voracious appetite. Those of you who don't quite have teens yet, I'm looking at a whole row back there. God bless you. Go to Costco. Go to Sam's. You better save your money because when they get to be teens, they have a voracious appetite. They're always hungry for more. If you've been around a teenager, they ask you, what is there to eat? And we go through this whole litany. Well, there's pizza. Well, I ate that. What else is there to eat? Well, there's wings left over. I ate those. What else is there to eat? Well, there's masticholi. I don't like masticholi. No. It goes on and on and on. There's a voracious appetite. Always wanting more. We understand that. That's the way we used to be. But generosity means being filled up with the gospel and finding satisfaction so we can see giving as a privilege. Do you see the change? What a difference. We were once insatiable. Nothing would satisfy. More, 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 more. But there was always a pit, a hole. We could never fill it. And then we got Jesus. And all of a sudden we are filled with the gospel. And that word satisfaction. Oh, oh, in the past, I can't get no satisfaction. Well, try Jesus. Yeah, you're looking in the wrong place. That's why. You can't get satisfaction apart from knowing that you're saved. Once greedy, now generous. And I have to stop here and and give us a basic doctrinal lesson. Beware the false doctrine of the prosperity gospel. 2 Corinthians 9 is the proof text for those who preach a prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel says, you do this and you'll be blessed. You do blank and God will abundantly overflow you. So push button, pull lever, and make God do something for you. If you'll just send in a seed money of $1,000, God will give you $3,000 in return. That's the prosperity gospel. Health, wealth, never suffering. And the people that learn the ugliness of the prosperity gospel is those that got cancer and said, what did I do wrong? It's an evil twisting of truth. You know, you know what makes a really good lie? 
What makes a really good lie is when you mix it with a little bit of truth. And the prosperity gospel takes 2 Corinthians 9, and you hear words like those who sow generously reap generously and those who sow sparingly reap sparingly and we love that and so the prosperity gospel people would say all you need to do is send in the money and god will bless you you'll be healthy wealthy and happy all the time the prosperity gospel is a crushing gospel it says you need something more than jesus for satisfaction or for salvation Friends, I need to tell you, that's legalism. Whenever it takes more than Jesus, period, it's a crushing blow of legalism. We always think of legalism about music and dress and those kind of things. I grew up in a very legalistic type of a, a background, but that's not all of legalism. Sometimes legalism is sneaky like this. It's a sneaky, a little bit of truth, and then all of a sudden it's distorted, and it's you do this, God will do this. You push button, pull lever, and manipulate God. And it's all based on our old life of greed. Do you see how that is all so twisted? That, that pulls on people's desire for more. Yes, I want more. I want more. So I'll give a little bit and I'll get lots more. That's the old foundation. That's the old life of greed. We're in a new life of generosity. And I know it's difficult because you read the scriptures and, and you read something like this, is, which is proverbial written. It's more of a proverb. And Proverbs are not promises or guarantees. Proverbs are are hopeful dictums. Proverbs say, if you do this, this is usually what the result is. If you do this, this is... And and we turn it into manipulation. Oh, okay, I'll do this. Push button. Pull lever. I'll make God give me more. Because our hearts are based on greed. That's not at all what Paul was saying. By the way, the one who was saying that was never rich. The one who's teaching us this passage was poor and beaten and in prison most of his life after he came to Jesus. The health and wealth gospel is a crushing blow. And be careful when you hear it because that we should never be manipulating God for our gain. But Paul goes on and he gives us a principle. The principle today is this. Gospel gratitude leads me to generous giving. It should not be greed leads me to generous giving. It shouldn't be, oh, 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 if I give give 10% of all that I have, I have $100 every week, and so I give $10, I'm just going to sit back and he's going to give it back. I'm going to get $20 back. That's why I'll give. I'll give $10 out of 100 so I can have 90 and he'll give me 20 back. Woo! That's, That's the old self. Why would that be what the Bible teaches about giving? Gospel gratitude, not greed, leads me to generous giving. 1 John 3, 16 through 18. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth generous giving comes from gospel gratitude 
I'm thankful for the cross. I know what Jesus has done for me. I know that what I have in him is complete, not lacking anything. I have a hope and a future. I know that in this world there might be troubles, fiery troubles, but I have confidence. I have a future waiting for me. No matter what the stock market does, no matter what the Supreme Court looks like, no matter who's in office on January 20th, all these things are, are important. We should involve ourselves, but don't take, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart no matter what the outcome is. I put my hope in the Lord because Jesus saved me. I have a better home, a better future, a better life awaiting me. And in the meantime, knowing all of that, I can be generous with what I have for others. Why did we do Sydney Sunday? Because we could. I just want you to learn, church, see a need, meet a need. That girl got robbed. And people would say, well, we didn't do it for every senior in town. You show me another senior in town who went through what she did and we'll do it again. See a need, meet a need. Never sit back and do nothing. Be generous. Be generous. We have so much. We should look for ways to give. Not only of our money, but of ourselves. Generous living and giving comes from a gospel gratitude. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Gospel gratitude. Generous giving is 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 19. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So, Pastor, what do I give? (laughs) We're back to the question. Tell me what to give. The Old Testament rule was 10%. It's called a tithe. 10% of everything I gave. And yet we even learn a principle from the first book of the Bible that giving 10% might not please God. Cain and Abel were brothers. Cain and Abel both brought 10% of the best of what they had. But God did not appreciate Cain's offering. He appreciated Abel's. We don't know why exactly. The Bible doesn't say it. It just says the Lord was displeased with Cain, but pleased with Abel. And I can't help but to think it's what Paul is teaching today. There was something in an attitude. I know people have made it out to be one was meat and one was grain. You're supposed to sacrifice. No, no. You're supposed to give of what you got. Cain was a farmer. He produced. And so he gave, he gave, but maybe he gave out of compulsion, out of rule. Okay, here's your 10%. I get 90%. And God said, I'm not pleased with that attitude. You see, what I'm trying to teach today is rules are easier to follow, but that's not the heart of God. In the Old Testament, the rule was 10%, a tithe. Can I tell you something? The rule of 10% tithe is never again mentioned in the New Testament. This is the passage where Paul's teaching about giving, and he never says, so everybody get out your checkbooks or write a check for 10%. Sorry, young people. Everybody go online and download your offering at 10% to Oakwood. 10%. It would be easier than what Paul is teaching, because Paul said each one should give as their hearts guide them. Each one. You see, the principle's harder to live by than the rule. 
See, the, the principle lets me know that there are some of you that are sitting here who could give 70 or 75 or 80% of your income and it wouldn't even dent you. And maybe somebody's been teaching your whole life, 10%, 10%. You're like, I'll give it. He'll give it back. I'll take my $100. I'll keep my 90. He'll get 10. He'll give me 20 back. I'll give my, I got my $100 and I, I give my 10. I keep my 90, but Lord, you better turn it in. And then all of a sudden we get something. God blesses us and we go, whoa, I got $300 this week. So I'm going to give you $30, God. I keep 270 and you better give it back. That's, that's not the heart of God. It's not the heart of God. The principle is give as your heart leads you. Some of you could give 70, some of you could give 50, some could give 10, some could give 5. But you ought to be led to give generously. Do you remember what the Lord said when he saw the, the, the was it a widow who had hardly anything and, and he saw her go up and give and he looked and he grabbed people around and said, look at that, take a look at her. I love that. She is giving sacrificially. So back to equality. It's not equal giving, it's equal sacrifice. Equal sacrifice. I know the rule is easier. Is 10% like we should just avoid that? No, I mean, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if 10% was a value in the Old Testament, I'm sure it would work well. If you'd like to live in the 10% world, then that's fine. I'm not disowning that. But I am telling you honest truth. This is where we're taught giving in the New Testament, and it's not telling us to give 10%. It's telling us to give generously. And then he goes on from there. I'll teach in just a moment. It's like the Sabbath. The Sabbath, keep the Sabbath, was an Old Testament rule. Everybody say rule. And it was a rule. Boy, they couldn't walk certain distances. Your ox fell and you couldn't take care of them. Sorry, I can't walk over there. And so it was a rule. Everybody say rule. Do you realize that out of the Ten Commandments, Jesus repeated nine of them? The one he did not repeat was keeping the Sabbath. Why? Because Sabbath keeping was an Old Testament rule. Am I against the Sabbath? No, not at all, because I believe there's a Sabbath principle there that we need to in the New Testament follow. But the principle is not a rule. Better in a church that had the rule. <laughs> I grew up in a church that had the rule. We wanted to gather and play football on Sundays in the fall after church. No, no, there shall be no play. And that's the last thing I have to say because I got to go out to dinner and make somebody work on the Sabbath, which makes no sense. I'm sorry, flashing back to my childhood. The Sabbath rule. And now we're not in that rule anymore. We're in a principle, and the principle's harder to follow. Do I believe we should honor the Sabbath? I think we should. Each of you in your own hearts need to determine what does that look like. I fail every Sunday. They make me work. They make me work every Sunday. You know what? Pastor probably ought to take a Sabbath on Monday, right? Amen? It's not a rule. See, it's a principle. And each person has to determine and understand how do I live in this principle? Uh, do you understand what I'm teaching today? Is this stuff too crazy? Are you with me? It's not a rule, it's a principle. And the principle is a lot harder to follow. You're not off the hook, people, okay? So some of you are like, woohoo, 1%, that's all you get. Think about it. Andy Stanley said, God's extravagant generosity toward us compels us to be extravagantly generous toward others. So here's the procedure. There's a procedure to follow, and the procedure is give with the right attitude. Whether you're giving 10, 15, 20, or 5, give it with the right attitude. And Paul says, you need to determine in your own heart what you're going to give. And then when you go to give, give thoughtfully as each person purposes in his own heart. Don't, don't, Don't just wing it. Don't give on a whim. Your emotions will guide that. Decide ahead of time in your heart, what am I to give? What should I be giving? 
Not only are we to be giving thoughtfully, but we're giving enthusiastically, not grudgingly, it says. Enthusiastically actually has a, a meaning, and it, it means God in them. God's in us. God in us makes us enthusiastic to be able to give to others. Give based on the fact that God lives in me. Voluntary. Paul says, do it voluntary, not out of necessity. Don't be pressured into it. Don't, don't make us get up and beg you to give. Don't do that. We know that we're not following the 10% rule here because, friends, we're not dumb. we got smart people in our boards and on our treasures. And we, we know that if we were to be getting 10% of the general income from this area, it would be about twice as what's coming in. So we know we're not getting a tithe from you. And that's okay. But what are you thinking about the principle of giving? And are you giving voluntary? I don't want to get up here every week. I won't do it, actually. I'll make Jim do it. Get up here every week. Oh, we are running short. We're not going to make budget. We're going to have to cut. We're going to have to cut again. We're gonna... and, and pastor gets up every once in a while and says, this carpet is awful. I really want a carpet that looks decent. I'm embarrassed when guests come in here. But we don't want to beg. Don't do it out of compulsion. Don't do it because you're begged. Purpose in your heart. Come enthusiastically. Do it voluntarily. And then lastly, do it cheerfully. God loves a cheerful giver. The word cheerfully comes from the word hilaris. Hilaris is where the word comes from. Hilarious. You've heard the term laughing all the way to the bank. Christians ought to be laughing all the way to church. Woo! You're not going to believe what I'm going to give today. This is going to be great. I can't believe it. This is, this is silly. Woo! Give hilariously. We're, we're dead giddy. We're dead from greedy. We're dead from greedy. Why don't some of you wake up to giddy? Die to greed. Wake up to giddy. Give. Don't, don't follow an Old Testament rule, but live in the principle of generosity. It'll change your heart, change the way you give, because there is a promise. Now, here's where you're going to say, he confused me. The promise God gives abundantly so I can give adequately. We see that in verse 8. God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, and all you need, you will abound in every good work. You know what it says in that line there? He doesn't give you money so you can get more greedy to get more money. He says he'll give you more money so you can give more money. The whole thing is built in a context not of greed but of generosity is what Paul's preaching. Give more. Give more. Verse 11, it says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Right after it, you get more so you can give more. <laughs> and through your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. I don't want there to be confusion today, but you just need to know how this works. Oh, you read this passage, and if you're living in the old self of greed, you hear, push button, pull lever, I give, I get more back. I'll give, but God better give me more. And God flips that whole thing upside down and says, live a new life. Be a kingdom person. And kingdom persons give hilariously. And you give and God just turns it on you and blesses you more and you can give more. Oh, Julie and I want to be rich someday. I'm just going to tell you. But you know why we want to be rich? You might get it wrong. We want to be rich because we just think it's so cool to be able to do things that people have done for us. Have you been blessed by people? Have, have people been hilariously, giddily giving to you and you go, oh my goodness, I wish I could give like that. I don't know how many times I've been in a restaurant and somebody pays the bill. Sometimes we don't even see the people we know. I'm like, we, we eat our whole meal and then the lady comes, and by the way, your meal's been taken care of today. We're like, woo, who is it? And there's nobody there from Oakwood. I'm like, this is weird. And Julie's first comment is, I want to do that. 
Why don't we buy everybody's? But we're not rich yet, honey. I want to do that. I want to be blessed because I, I, my heart is in giving. And, and I might not have the money, but I'm, I'll take care of a Sydney Sunday. I'll, I'll say, let's go, people. Let's do, let's do uh, Halloween for our neighborhoods because we can do that. We can step up and we can do things. And my heart is generosity. You know why? Because God is blessed. God is blessed. I get in trouble because I'm transparent. And I, I deserve it sometimes. And I get reined back in. I understand that. But this morning, I need to let you know, I preached it before and tried to teach it before, but God, I can never outgive God. It's not a push-button, pull-lever, manipulate Him to give me more, but He always, abundantly, abundantly gives. A few months ago, we were coming toward my daughter's wedding, and uh, you had heard the whole story, canceled because of COVID, so we did the backyard wedding, which cost some money. Julie did it well, and it was, uh, we spent some money to do that, and then I had to do the real wedding, and I'm like, ah, it was getting tight. My daughter called two weeks before the wedding, and she said, Dad, how much is in the account still? Because we got to pay this, 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 and this, and I'm like, don't worry, I got it, I got it. She goes, how do you got it, Dad? I'm like, no, no, just don't worry. I hung up, and I said, oh, no, we don't got this. We're short. We're quite short. <sighs> The week before that wedding, I performed a wedding for somebody else. Somebody came to me and said they were so blessed by that wedding, they gave me $1,000. We don't get $1,000 per wedding, by the way, just so you know. <laughs> Can anybody here guess how much short I was to pay for my daughter's wedding? So your pastor has to stand up here and say, the principle is true. His promises are real. And he will abundantly bless you. He's the maker of hilarity. That's funny what just happened. That's hilarious. Because he blesses abundantly. But I don't push button, pull lever to manipulate him to give to me. That's the old world of greed. The new world of generosity is I give because what Jesus did for me. And you know what? God keeps giving in return. He blesses. So where's your heart in giving? Where's your heart? John MacArthur says, Generosity is impossible apart from our love of God and of his people. But with such love, generosity not only is possible, but inevitable. I love what the saying on the left. Love is difficult because so many have it backwards. They look as to what love can give them. As long as their list of needs are met, they will love in return. But that's not the way love works. Love always looks for what it can give more than what it could get. And a preacher gave a great definition of love once. Love is selfless, willing sacrifice for the good of another person, even if they don't deserve it. And not wanting anything in return, that's love. Generosity. Oh, and then love God. Love people. Do stuff. <laughs> love God. Love people. Do stuff. Bob Goff. His book, Love Does. Love Does. So go home today. Figure out what you just got preached what do I give? I don't know. It's between you and the Lord. But if he's got your heart, he's got your bank account. <laughs> and it's a happy thing, not a scary thing. We're going to move right into communion. What a perfect way to move into communion. Talk about generosity. That is the stage that was set today. 
We give because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. 